Hello everybody and welcome back to this Human Life Podcast. I'm Melissa and this is the um, the companion podcast to the book This Human. Um, I am progressively reading through the book um, and giving you a little bit of a uh, audio, uh, what is it? Author's notes, um, insight into some of the sections. And uh, I'm aware that most of you are um, just sort of listening through as they queue up. So um, I'm going to shorten the intros um, and we'll dive right in. So we're starting uh, from page nine um, in the first chapter, uh, right where we left off. So continuing to talk about beliefs. How beliefs limit us. There is a voice inside your head that sounds remarkably like your own voice. Let's call it your inner critic. It says things to you that you would never say out loud or to anyone else. Such things as, you'll never be able to do this. You're not good enough to pull this off. You just want to do this so you look good in front of your friends. There's no point. It's already been done before. Your inner critic is the constant chatter that talks about all the things that are unlikely, wrong or imperfect about your work. You must never listen to your inner critic when you are working with insights and ideas, especially at their early stage, I might add. That's not in the book, but that's a really important point. There is a time and place for your inner critic to take centre stage, like when you are critiquing your own work for robustness or making sure you are delivering on the outcome you set out to achieve. But it is absolutely not welcome when you are trying to foster brand new thinking. Okay, so that is basically the intro to um, exercise 1.1, which exists on page 10 and 11 um, in the book. And this um you know, two-page spread in the book has actually been turned into the um, online course, which you can find over at thishuman.com, which is the um, Unlocking the Hidden Power of Your Beliefs course. Um, It goes through step one, step two, step three, step four. um, And what I've done is I've broken um, every single step down um, and created um, templates and worksheets and stuff for you to work through. So I'm just going to talk through the steps here. And um, leave it up to you whether or not you want to go and do a deep dive in excavating your beliefs because the course is there for you if you want to do that. All right. Exercise 1.1, page 10. Working with beliefs. Uncovering your beliefs helps you understand how they influence you. Step one, uncover your beliefs. The first step is to spend time uncovering your beliefs. Should I say that one more time? Uncovering your beliefs. Um, This is more like excavation than exploration. They are deep inside you, so you need to be patient and committed to finding them. It is a pretty straightforward process, although we often don't include it as part of our practice as human-centered designers or leaders. And um, a great place to start is for you to ask yourself these questions. One, What do I believe about what I am seeing, hearing, feeling, thinking, saying, and doing? What do I believe about the people I am observing? What do I believe about the project and its outcomes? What do I believe about how I am going and the quality of the work I'm doing? What do I believe about my beliefs? So the last one is um, 
very meta and meta sort of on purpose. Um, these questions obviously are just examples and um, in the course uh, there's actually a, a worksheet that gets you to interrogate in, in quite a structured way all the different aspects of your um, of your life uh, belief system, I guess. Um, one of the things I think that's really important to re- remember in doing this work is what we're trying to do is set up some sort of a scaffolding um, for you to be able to, first of all, realise that you do actually have influence of the way that you think and the way that you show up in the world and the, and the meaning that you attribute to um, what you're observing and and what you're learning. And first of all, that realisation um, that you actually are in control of the way that you think <laughs> and feel um, most of the time is a really important one, especially when we're a discipline around um, designing for people and understanding people and connecting with some insight. It's really important that you have the capability to be able to interrogate your own thought processes when you're making sense of that stuff. And, you know, the very next thing we're going to talk about is uh, um, biases, which are like the, you know, the evil stepsisters <laughs> of the beliefs. I don't know if that's an accurate metaphor, but anywho. Um, so those those bullet points, uh, those questions really just point to that they're worth. It's worthwhile you um, being a little bit introspective while you're um, going through the process of making meaning of the work that you've done. Because you, if you don't do that, you don't know who or what is doing the designing ultimately. So where are these decisions actually coming from? Yeah, I'll leave it there. Okay, step two. Uh, so once you've uncovered your beliefs, step two is understand your beliefs. Once you've under- answered the questions in step one, reflect on these beliefs by asking these guiding questions. Where did this belief come from? Did I make it up or is it someone else's that I have adopted? What is the advantage of having this belief? How would this project run if I didn't hold this belief or held a different one? Am I willing to change this belief? If so, what would I change it to? So that last question is is a really important one because you'll if you um, do choose to do the course you'll realize that you'll get the, the you, you are guided through this excavation process to uncover the beliefs that you actually have about whatever topic you choose to work on um, and then towards the end you know change only happens when you actually actually change your behavior as guided by this um, by a newly framed belief that you're going to experiment with but if you're not willing to actually change it, then doing the exercise of um, uh, excavating and understanding and uncovering and then changing, it sort of falls down in this last bit, um, which is basically your will to be different. And it, it's not a compulsory thing. You might actually do the work and then realize that actually, no, this, this belief is something um, that I'm not willing to change yet. And that's okay. And one of the benefits of doing that work is that you realize you realize what those are and they become a part of your value set. You know, the, the other part that I talk about in the course um, uh, and continually reinforce in any sort of reflective, introspective activity that I take you through throughout this book is that it's really important to approach that in a non-judgmental way because judgments of, well, you know, that's right, that's wrong, I'm good, I'm bad – 
um, actually gets in the way of your own growth and your own evolution as a person and evolution as a practitioner and a leader. So judgment can stay outside. Thanks very much. Okay, step three, create new beliefs. Isn't that funny? It feels like a massive leap, <laughs> like a leap across a chasm. Okay, I've uncovered them and I've understood them. Now I'm just going to make up new ones. Um, but I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, right, step three, create new beliefs. It almost seems ridiculous to boil it down to this simple exercise. It sure does. Surely beliefs are tricky and slippery and don't just change overnight. Interestingly, sometimes they do. If we work at a conscious level, we can influence them and slowly they change. But first you need to give yourself permission to do it. It almost feels like you're hacking your own brain. Working only with those beliefs that are preventing you from doing your best work Write down new beliefs that are more empowering and beneficial to your work. And there's a little tip in a circle here. You can start with the opposite of the limiting belief you already have, but don't stop there. Use your imagination to create an energy-giving version of the old belief, one that excites you and motivates you. So this is worked through quite thoroughly in the course. Um, that's one of the reasons why um, we have thishuman.com as a... Um, as a what is it as a complimentary um offer ring to the book because um the book covers so much stuff um and uh we really need, thought that we needed to provide some scaffolding around the exercises in particular especially as we go further through the book because uh it gets very uh sort of action oriented you know we get we finish an implementation so and in the the course you're actually guided through step three um creating the new beliefs all right step four put new beliefs into action now this is really really important so a lot of the work that um i have been interested in and and um, focus on as a part of my practice is you know what it what it means to be the person and sometimes that can be very abstract work where you sort of do some reflection and some thinking and then you uncover some aspects about your behavior as a human-centered designer or as a leader then it's like oh that was an interesting discovery and if there's no uh, integration of that insight that you now have into your own self your own way of thinking your own belief system um, your approach to your work then nothing really changes you just become more aware um, but you might not change the actual action so step four which is you know the last bit of the course as well is really a crucial bit to see through to completion and interestingly we talk about completion cycles towards the end of the book as well okay enough preamble uh, step four put new beliefs into action simply working out what your beliefs are and coming up with better ones isn't enough you need to incorporate the new belief into your daily practice as a human-centered designer or leader without action and reinforcement the new pathways in your brain won't get laid down the best way to do this is to share them with your colleagues tell them about your new beliefs ask them to remind you of them as your work progresses write them down on a sticky note and put some put it somewhere um, that you will see regularly and when it comes up for you put it into action so the essence of that step basically is to um, make a commitment to someone that you're going to approach something differently in your life as a result of this um, work that you've done and then you know be accountable to that person to be different and one of the things that um, that assists with is uh, you know people that are attracted to my work typically have like an internally motivated 
sense of an internal locus of control but sometimes it's really nice to reinforce that with an external accountability as well so we're just trying to put both of those in in motion here um and then uh there's a little side note here that i've spoken about in terms of uh creating a new belief replace limiting beliefs with ones that serve you better in your work for example a limiting belief like the stakeholders are so much more senior than me could become the stakeholders are people just like me and I know a lot about my project. Remember to put your new belief into action. If you don't act differently because of a new belief, it will shrivel up and die. <laughs> put it to work. Oh my God. It's so weird going back and reading this book word for word. Okay. Um, right, here we go. We're on to uh, page 12. Owning your biases. Understanding our beliefs allows us to be aware of how these beliefs affect how we perceive the world. It exposes the biases we carry about the things we observe. Know your biases. Biases can be conscious or unconscious. The key to uncovering them is knowing that you have them in the first place. We all do, and they wreak havoc when we are trying to see something for what it really is instead of what we think it means. The process of perception, this is a quote, the process of perception is, not surprisingly, a biased one. We have loads of biases hardwired into our brains, preferences for people who are similar to us or who are in our group, wariness of those who are different, a tendency to save mental energy by using shortcuts like stereotypes to fill in the blanks about others. Heidi Grant Halverson. Your biases affect how you encounter the world. They establish what makes you feel comfortable or not, what you are fearful of or not. Sometimes in our work as human-centered designers and as leaders, we find ourselves in situations where we need to connect with a reality that is far outside our comfort zone. It might be to do with domestic violence, religion, gambling, cancer or fashion. But regardless of the topic, there is probably some preconceived bias lurking away in the background somewhere. Biases are normal and in our line of work, it is important to pay attention to them. Accepting personal biases makes them less, not more likely to impact others. Howard J. Ross to experience how subtle your biases are, take the Implicit Association Test, IAT, designed by Dr. Anthony Greenwald. The link can be found in the references at the end of the book. In addition to the biases that affect your sense-making and judgments on other realities, there is also confirmation bias that reinforces the beliefs you already have. Can't win. Because our brains are excellent at seeing patterns in behaviour, we use these observations to reinforce our already existing beliefs or biases. Although you may not want to accept that you have biases, they are a part of human nature. The best thing you can do is acknowledge that you have them and then try to uncover and learn as much about them as possible. Becoming aware of your own biases also allows you to be aware of other people's biases. This is a fundamental skill for establishing intentional communication with them about your work. I would also add um, it is also fundamental um, for you to be able to navigate your own biases and your own beliefs um, about a topic within which you're researching or a context within which you're leading to be able to, uh, to the best that's possible, 
compensate or acknowledge or um, even make explicit that your belief or your bias is um, going to influence the way that you perceive um, what's right in front of you. It's really something that I do quite often where I will declare um, I will declare a bias that I know that I have before I speak into a context. Let me give you an example. Um, oh, I'll give you this example because sometimes we think that biases are always negative or belief having beliefs um, and fixed perspectives on things is, is, is a bad thing and that's not necessarily the case. So I will give you this as an example to, to sort of demonstrate that. Um, I have a bias towards uh, believing that anything is possible. And I have a bias towards uh, privileging humans and humanity. Um, so when I'm, when I'm about to talk into a context that might be quite difficult, um, like the recent work that we've been doing with a particular island nation around, you know, economic recovery, the very real implications of the impacts of the global pandemic on their economy has been very serious, of course what I was going to do was speak into that context but coming from a place of anything is possible and also talking about you know the need to uncover what the citizens needs are and how we best be in service of them but declaring that that is my natural bias and I'm always going to be coming from that place um, also sets the listening in the room in that they they can make sense of why I'm saying the things that I'm saying I think that's a really important point to make and I'm going to leave um I'm going to leave the current episode there because we're at the, I think, the 20-minute mark. Um, and uh, come back um, for the next episode and we will kick off with exercise 1.2, uh, which starts on page 13, um, and that is about overcoming bias. So I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.